This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of Ghosted, an American story, written and narrated by New York Times best-selling ghostwriter Nancy French, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Mike, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BurnsClan. Please follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the founder of The Witness, the man, the myth, the legend, the two-time best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, Dr. Jamar Tisby. What's going on, brother? Hey, man. I'm feeling kind of, uh, kind of vulnerable, kind of exposed here. Really? Because of what we're about to talk about, but in a good way, hopefully a helpful way. Well, you know, we were talking about this before we press record. Where are you at spiritually? Yeah. How are you doing spiritually? Such a big question. And, and what's, right? what, what is on your mind when it comes to the faith and Jesus and yeah. the gospel? It's a really interesting time to ask that question, because I'll be honest with folks, and I don't know if it's been evident or not, but... I would say probably since 2016, 2017, it has been almost a spiritual drought for Hmm. me. Hmm. Because what was happening around this time period, you know, we changed the name of the witness in 2017, but 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 it was this concentrated onslaught of like Christian whiteness. (laughs) Uh, Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. In relation to the presidential election, in relation to Black Lives Matter, in relation just my own writings and experiences up so so from seminary to my local church context like it felt like everything that i had known or learned about the faith was now a cause of pain for me Whew. and so i had to leave certain communities leave certain relationships even going back to Jackson, Mississippi, where I ex- experienced a lot of this stuff, it, it feels like this this dark kind of oppressive yeah, yeah. place just to to physically go back into. Right. So, so the way that worked itself out in my own journey was, I didn't trust my own theological lens. Hmm. Hmm. I felt like I had to question how I prayed. Yeah, question how I read the Bible. Question the the church communities I was part of yeah. and the faith communities I was part of. And this is this has racked me because my whole life is wrapped up in this stuff. I went mm. to seminary for five years to get an MDiv thinking I would be a local church pastor. Right. And not only did that not happen, it felt like I got the boot. Or at least that I had to leave mm. in order to be healthy. Whew. So that was not quick. Yeah. It has not been a quick process, and I'm still not like wholly recovered or fully recovered. There was a period of some years, bro. I've never said this on mic. A period of some years where it felt like I couldn't pick up the Bible. Hmm. Not because I didn't want to, not because hmm. I actually even felt that God was distant from me. Hmm. I felt distant from God. And again, I didn't even trust myself to pick up and understand the Bible apart from like white supremacy and white colonization of 
the biblical story. So I didn't, it, it, it felt to me like, you know, the Bible's a two-edged sword. It felt to me like I might cut myself because I couldn't handle the word of truth well. Um, so I say you asked me at an interesting time because in the past six months, eight months or so, I feel like I'm starting to heal from that and get healthier from that. Wow. Um, first of all, I want to hold space for this. Yeah. Uh, because you've never shared this on mic yeah, right. and now on camera. <laughs> right. So <laughs> what was difficult about picking up the scriptures? Yeah. What made the scriptures difficult in particular? Because I think if I'm guessing right, a lot of people would be able to identify with what you just said mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and would be able to identify personally with the fact of it's hard for me to read my Bible. Mm -hmm. what, what made that difficult? So in my case, it was, am I interpreting the scriptures through a white-centered lens that is highly individualistic and doesn't equip us for the work of justice, mm. doesn't address the broader problems that are crises facing us, mm -hmm. crises of political leadership, crises of uh, anti-Black police brutality, crises of an economic disaster for some people, right? Um, I didn't want to come with a methodology <laughs> that was going to lead me to conclusions that were going to hurt me or others. Hmm. Um, and, and I realized like reading the Bible is hard for different people for different reasons. Right. So there are some people it's hard to read the Bible because they've never read, read it before. Right. And they they don't have the tools, and it seems like this really big, convoluted, opaque book that how can I make meaning of it right. in private, right? right? There are others who, because of sexism, abuse in the church, can't engage it because yeah. it, it it's associated with pain. Um, so I think it happens for different reasons, but it was more, for me, a fear of my own inability to comprehend the truth in a way that would be healthy and healing. Hmm. And I didn't want to replicate some of the injuries yeah. that I felt like I sustained. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. so, so this is why I think one of the things that we need to understand as we talk about healthy churches, as we talk about justice in the church, as we talk about racism and sexism and classism, like there are casualties when we fail Oof. to address these things. And the casualties may not always be physically dead bodies, right? but it can be a faith that's on life support. It feels to me like your wrestle hasn't been one of a cognitive nature. Uh. It's not about a cognitive wrestle. It's about a personal struggle to actually live this thing out. Hmm. And can I live it out mm -hmm. if I've lived it wrong? Yeah, yeah. Or if I've gotten it wrong in any context, not even morally or ethically, if I've just lived out the text from a narrow interpretation. That's right, that's right, that's right. I think a lot of, I don't know about y'all, I think a lot of people are wrestling with that. And it's a, it's a, it's a sort of distrust of my own judgment. Hmm. If what I was convinced of led me into these spaces where there was such pain and such harm, 
can I trust myself with my faith, right? Yeah. Which the spiritual answer is, no, you trust Jesus. Right. Okay, but I still got to figure out where to go to a local church. I still mm. got to figure out how to interpret this psalm or right. the, the, the gospels, right? Um, there's a practical aspect to it to where if my instincts led me in this direction and it was like bloody, can I trust my instincts to lead me in a healthier direction kind of a thing? Um, so it's been difficult. I think what makes this particularly courageous and brave for you to say this and vulnerable on the podcast is I think for most people, we assume that wrongly that those in positions of power and platform and prestige don't need the same things we need. Right. And I say we, because I'm just, you're on a completely, honestly, like you're on a completely different level. We're, We're, yes, we do a podcast together. Yes, we work together. Yes. That's been something we've done for years, but you're at a, at a level of, exposure and attack and also success that I'm nowhere near. And so it's easy to think that you have a different conception of faith Hmm. and you kind of have this specialized. I remember you telling me before that when you're verified on Twitter, you get to see things that other people don't see. (laughs) So you get like, literally they have special features for verified people. And so it's easy for us to think that that's the same thing for your spiritual walk, that there's special features for you because you're spiritually verified. And so it's like, man, what do you, what is that like to, to talk about Jesus on a regular basis, have an MDiv, have degrees and feel like you don't even know how to, can't pick up your Bible. Yeah. Yeah. How do you like, what do you even do? Right. Right, right. What did you do for church? How did you even navigate that? Yeah. So, so, whew, my church journey is an interesting one, as you know. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it always tickles me when I see folks online who are like, oh, he hates white people. You hate, just hate white Christians, whatever. I'm like, bro, I'm, I'm at a white evangelical church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I didn't give up on it. That's where I found myself. And um, to your point, we constantly sort of have to, as black Christians, interrogate the Christian spaces we end up in yes. and why. Um, and that's a subject for another oh, podcast. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> but absolutely. Um, yeah, it wasn't. So I was in leadership at the church, though, which right. was different. Right. So it wasn't like you could just go and receive. You always had to go and lead. You had to be you had to preach. You had to be the one who prayed for others. You had to, you know, do all the duties of a, of a church leader. So it was very lonely and isolating. Hmm. It was very confusing. Hmm. Um, hmm. Folks like you and, and, and folks at The Witness were a lifeline in many ways. But here's the really odd thing in God's faithfulness. I never, I never like questioned the faith, right? Like, hmm. or, 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 or my, you know, the realness of God or my commitment, my desired commitment to God. I, it was just like a dry place, you know? It's just like I couldn't find sustenance in all of the things that used to give me sustenance. So I think there's this, I have this conversation with a lot of young people, Gen Z, you know, teenagers, millennials, 20s. They just, they have to figure out whether or not they're taking the stereotypical Christian route. There's like this idealized image of, oh, this is what real Christians do and how they do it. Real Christians go to these schools, Christian schools. They don't go to mm. schools and get 
disciple by Caesar, you know, <laughs> just whatever, whatever folks say. And so they, they, they talk about all these things and you go, you, you're sold out, you're in a ministry, you know, you're a real Christian-y Christian, you know, you're powered up and all this. And it's like, at a certain point, I kind of hit this wall where they're like, yo, I don't feel what I felt. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of believers are asking the question, can I even hang on to this thing that I call Christianity mm-hmm. or church? Mm-hmm. Can I hang on to Jesus and justice? Mm-hmm. Or can I just hang on to Jesus, period, because I feel so far? Did you ever feel like in your heart that you weren't going to come out of the dry spot? Not that you were going to leave the faith, because you mentioned that, but did you ever just feel like it was going to be that dry for the rest of your life? I'm not sure if I thought, am I ever going to come out of this, per se. But it definitely was moments where I felt like this is endless. Like this is, this is just the state of things now. Um, I think, you know, we talk a lot about wilderness wandering, right? Well, it's in a desert, a dry place. And what's distinctive about a desert is there's not a lot of landmarks Mm -hmm. to orient Mm -hmm. you. Come on. So it felt like this sense of being lost. And no matter what direction you turned, the landscape all looked the same. So you're like, I don't know what direction to head. Right, right. I don't know what's going to lead me to an oasis. I could head back to Egypt. And so it's almost like paralyzing because you don't want to take a step in the wrong direction, Mm. but you're not clear about where a step in the right direction is. Could other people tell you were dry? I don't think so. Yeah. That's scary, bro. That is really scary. That, that I mean, that's the stuff that keeps me up late at night, right. honestly. Because it's so easy to be wrestling and nobody knows. Mm. It's so easy, easy to be, and not like you're trying to hide it from people. You just don't know how to describe what you're in, in the moment. Right, right. Or not that you're, you know, I think sometimes we assume like, oh, nobody knows this. You know, you're caught up in something. It doesn't have to be you're caught up in something. It just means you're in a place of extreme dryness. Dryness. And you're you're asking the question, what do I do? How do I even describe what I'm in? Right. Because I don't see, I can't see my way out of you it. You can't really make sense of it in the moment. And I can't make sense of it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's it's felt like that. It, it's still on some days feels like that. And I have so much sort of space and room for people who are in that place now especially with all we've seen, right? Like it it can be so disorienting to look at the chaos and the evil in the world and and still believe there's a good God, Hmm. Hmm. you know? And and I never, I I don't know if I ever doubted that, but I couldn't feel it. That was the thing. Hmm. It was like all up here. It was all intellectual. But I'm like, God, where is like the experience of you? Where is the nearness? Where is that, that, where are those moments where I would like, like just fall to my knees almost on the verge of tears or when I could feel your presence so close that it felt like you were physically in the room with me or where I just got lost in prayer. I I feel like I used to have those moments and then they were gone, you know, and I didn't even know really how it happened. I know there was hurt and there was betrayal and all of that stuff, but I didn't I wasn't expecting that to affect us, me and you, God, yeah. like that. 
let's pause. Let's hold some space for this because I think this is very important. I think a lot of people who are watching and listening are going to be able to resonate. Um, and let's take a minute and we'll be right back here on Pass the Mic. So, Jay, man, that was heavy. Well, I say all this because I am very attentive to the fact that other people might be going through something similar. Yeah. You talked about how you now have a lot of room and space for people who are navigating this and things like this. And dryness that you're facing and feeling and you felt. What do you mean when you say that? You have a lot more space, a lot more room. I wonder if we just do too much navel gazing in the church. Hmm. That we're so consumed with like the day to day and week to week, quote unquote, business of running the church that we actually leave behind people who are not already in church, Hmm. who may not be Christian, who are in a dry spell like I am. And it can seem like we get so caught up in other conversations Hmm. about music, about worship style, about how do we deliver, you know, content in a pandemic and all of that stuff's important. Yeah. But, but at, it won't matter to the people who right. deal with the fundamental. There's a fundamental yeah. part that we still need to address. And uh, <laughs> it sounds funny to say, but Jesus. Yeah. I, 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 I'm kind of I'm stuck on Jesus right now. Hmm. Oh, okay. This is a question. Well, I, I'll try to tailor this question as non-academic as possible. <laughs> you you say you're really on this Jesus kick right now. Yeah. Is that simply s- sticking in the Gospels? Mm. Mm. Is that simply the, the life and the words of Jesus and everything else you're like, I know that's there and I'm going to get to it, but right now I just need him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, yeah. Yeah. Um. Going back to the Gospels where, you know, in the old school Bible versions, the red letters of Jesus, um, for me, that's been healing. So the only reason I can talk about this now is because I feel some sense of direction again. Yeah. Yeah. And I am not going to sit up here and say, oh, that's that's in my past. I'm so glad God brought me out of that. I feel like in a way I'm still going through it. Right. And it's kind of a day-to-day thing. But I will say, and I can confidently say that at this point, what has been what has brought the most sustenance, the most relief, is going back to the simple message of the life and teachings and reason of Jesus. Hmm. And so, yeah, practically speaking, it's reading the gospels. Yeah. Mark is the shortest gospel, right? Yeah. Like when you can't, when you can't get into the word, when you can't get into reading the Bible and you just wake up and you just can't wait to start reading. Like that's not my testimony right now. Yeah. What's helped me 
is the gospel in little snippets, hmm. a hmm. parable at a time, uh, a few verses at a time. And that's actually helped relieve some of the intimidation of going to the word because you feel yeah. like, well, I got to go through the Bible in a year. I got to, I got to read, you know, 14 chapters right? <laughs> and, and, and it's got to bring me to tears every time. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, look, if, if, if all get you something can, out of it, right, right. <laughs> right, yeah. if all you can do is get, get verse of the day from some Bible app, like God ain't mad at you for that. Why do we think that's less spiritual and right. Christian than the other thing? Why do we think that? Maybe it's something to do with how uncritically we paint a picture of what a mature Christian is or looks like. Mm. Because we think a mature Christian is surely someone who spends three hours, their first three hours a day. <laughs> like if you you really holy when you wake up and you <laughs> right, can't be right. at night or in the middle right, of the day, right. you spend your first three hours of the day in the word, you're taking notes, you've journaled, you've prayed for everyone you've ever known in elementary school. <laughs> repented of all your sin. <laughs> repented of all your sin. And you go out, you know, ready to tackle the world. And that's our picture, Right. You're at church every Sunday, and we don't have a sense of like the ups and and downs, the rhythms of the life of faith. And so we think that when there is this period, I think to your earlier question, I think I always knew this would be a season. Yeah. And I'm big on seasons of life right Mm -hmm. now. It's just like things come and things go, and they're there for a time, but it it, it won't, the old folks say, trouble don't last always. Yeah, yeah. You know, it won't always be like this. Um, but, but when you're at that valley and in the valley of the shadow of death and the darkness surrounds you and you don't see any light, you're like, okay, God, um, anytime now, (laughs) like Mm. I'm ready. Mm. So, but, 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 but I started to see that sliver of light when I was like, you know what? The church has hurt me because the church is made up of sinners, but you know, who's always been there Mm. and who's always been sweet and who's hmm. always hmm. been patient and loving and kind is Jesus. Hmm. And bro, that is so powerful to me in the valley as one who's been a Christian. Hmm. But it's also compelling to me as I see what talking about Jesus does with folks who've never been Christian. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so I am really excited and curious when we get to talk to people who don't know much about Jesus at all, about not Christianity, right. the religion, not the church right. or a denomination, but about, let me tell you about Jesus. Hmm. There is something so compelling about the life and the testimony and the method of Jesus, hmm. how he treated my, my, people, my. how he talked to people. Yeah. How he comes near to us, how the sweetest promise in the Bible to me of all the many promises God gives is I will be with you. Hmm. And Emmanuel means God, God with, with us. us. Yeah. So that's 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 what I want to bring folks back to. If you're hurting right now, whether you've been a Christian or you've never been a Christian, if you consider yourself spiritual or not, we are in so much pain right now. Yeah. Yeah. Some of it, much of it, unacknowledged. Yeah. We just keep going, right? There was this season, this moment at the beginning of the pandemic in March 2020, 
when we gave ourselves and each other so much grace. Yeah. Because it was new. Everything was canceled. <laughs> yeah. We weren't going to work. Right. And we right. were like, you know what? We need this. Yeah. <laughs> we need this time. Hey, sorry, guys. I'm not on email right this now. This is going to be good. Yeah. You know? Like reset. And that lasted for like 16.7 <laughs> We thought seconds. we were going to have a communal sabbatical. Like, <laughs> that was we going we're, with a We got quickness. that stemmy. We got that stemmy. Yeah. We were like, we was we good. We good. And it, it, was, <laughs> it was so life-giving. Like, oh, wow, this is a better way to live mm. because we were being instead of doing yeah yeah it was about our personhood instead of our productivity mm. and there was something so wholesome and life-giving about that but that was gone in an instant and now we are back to expecting the same amount of productivity the same amount of output the same amount of ambition in the midst of a pandemic that's lasted over two years now, a political situation in the United States that has us verging on autocracy yeah. and authoritarianism, yeah. a racial justice movement that, yeah, it was historic in 2020 and people have moved on. But honestly, the struggles are still here and with us. Mm -hmm. So we got all that going on in addition to whatever is going on in your everyday life, funerals and sicknesses and kids staying home from school and all of this stuff. And and so so what I'm saying is so much of that pain is unacknowledged. Yeah. We haven't stopped to process it. And then in the midst of it, the church has often been at the center of of what vexes us. Yeah. And what causes us pain. And so what do you do then when 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 what is supposed to be the safe haven becomes the place of trauma is you you go back to Jesus. Mm. And that's what's been healing for me. Mm. That's what's created space for me. That's what's relieved some of the pressure off my chest to breathe again. Yeah. That's so powerful. Mm. I think a lot of us needed to hear that. What else has been, hmm, what else has been preserving you? Because mm. I think it's less about helping you. Yeah. And yeah, getting yeah. you to the other side, because that feels very utilitarian. Like, I think sometimes you just need to exist. Right. What's been helping you survive? I think we cannot go overboard on sincere affirmation. Hmm. Looking at one another and speaking the unspoken admiration we have yeah. for who people are. Yeah. Like you're my brother. I am so in awe that I get to know you hmm. and breathe the same air as you, you know? And and how often do I think that, but I don't say it. Right. And, and, and of the people closest to us in our lives, even people from our past who we haven't talking to, talk, spoken to in, in ages, I think just as words can be wounding, words can be healing. Hmm. And words aren't for, you know, love language, all that stuff, but, but still, <laughs> yeah. you know. That boy went, evangelical, he just went right, you know. He just was like, but just know, know their love language. <laughs> You know, words don't don't mean it, it, it. Don't land as heavy for everybody, but like we have so much self doubt. Yeah, we do. Now that we do, you can't go now overboard on sincere affirmation. Yes, yes. And we live in a world, especially if you're a person of color, that's always going to, in some way, shape, or form, cast doubt on your ability and even on your being, weaponize your very body. Yeah as a threat. And so, you know, 
it's been people believing in me, mm-hmm. putting confidence in me. When I didn't feel like there was much of anything to to remark about, man. I'm gonna be real honest. Like when you're an author and your first book is a New York Times bestseller, there's nowhere to go but down. Hmm. You didn't know I was getting this honest. You thought I was honest before. You, there's nowhere to go but down. Man. And 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 as a writer, as a creator, wherever you're a poet, a videographer, whatever it might be, there's no way to put your soul on paper or in a in a in a in a creative work and not take it personally when it doesn't yeah. get traction, yeah. right? Yeah. So you begin to doubt yourself. Yeah. Is this for me? If I can't capture that lightning in a bottle again, you know, hmm. is is it still the right thing to do? Hmm. How does this affect my livelihood? Because right. this is what this is the only thing I want to do or know how to do, right. but it's not bringing in money or whatever it might right. be. So, um, in the midst of that, and people go through it in different forms and different variations, and depending on what their situation is, but in the midst of that. How can we affirm one another? Affirm one another's not only doing, but our being. But I think that's really hard. Because if you tell me, I just appreciate who you are. I don't, I don't, okay, great. Thank you. Mm. Here's one thing I think is helpful. And this is going back to like educational philosophy is you praise the effort, not just the outcome. Mm. Like Mm. it's meaningful when we say, bro, I see how determined you are. I see how much you're learning from this difficult season. I see how you haven't given up. Yeah. Yeah. Like that is some of the affirmation I think we need more of. And we can say that to anybody right now in a pandemic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like You're still here. Ooh. Like, are you kidding me, bro? You're still wow. here. That is a feat. That is an accomplishment. Man. Ma, ma, ma. And it's remembering who, who's carrying me through is, yes, the people who love me and affirm me, but it's Jesus. Jesus is your biggest fan. Can you, as we close, look into the camera and encourage the people who are watching? Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're not watching us on YouTube, then you're just going to hear it. <laughs> just going to hear it. <laughs> this is a shameless plug. Like, you can get Jamar's personalized encouragement for you if you watch YouTube. Uh, but <laughs> uh, can you look into the camera and encourage the people? I think there's right now, if I'm using spiritual discernment and anointing on you. My Lord. To impart encouragement. Right. And to literally put courage into people in this moment. I'm going to say what I need to hear. There's no wrong way to get more of Jesus right now. I want us to relieve the burden of pressure of thinking it only looks this way. It only looks like I've got a vibrant local church that I'm hitting up every week and I'm volunteering for. It only looks like I'm doing my daily devotions and I have my journal and and my prayer life is rich and deep. It can look like stumbling and inconsistent and 
not very pretty. And I also want to say churches are made up of sinners who will do messed up stuff to you. But there's a difference between Christ and the bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. Christ died for the bride, the church. So he prizes us as the church. But what it all comes back to is Jesus, hmm. Hmm. who no matter what church folk has done, have done, Jesus has never betrayed you. Jesus has never left you. Jesus has never hurt you. Jesus, not people who claim the name of Jesus, Jesus. And I just want to encourage us. You're doing amazing right now. You're doing amazing given all that we're going through. You're here where your your survival is resistance. The fact that you haven't given up yet, the fact that you keep trying to make it better for yourself and for other people, the fact that all you can muster up and do is to get out of bed, maybe not even that some days, but you're still here. Goodness. And Jesus is cheering you on right now. He's not distant. It's not like you got to tap Jesus on the shoulder and say, hey, I'm going through some things. Don't you care? I think what Jesus is looking for is just to acknowledge our need of him. Hmm. And say, I'm ready to receive whatever you got from me, Jesus. Hmm. Um. And I want to say this to folks who 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 aren't Christian, like what we've made of church and what we've made out of religion, you, you have every reason to be skeptical or to want to turn and run in the other direction. All I can say is consider Jesus before you do that. Hmm. Consider our Savior before you do away with the rest of the stuff, which admittedly has been messed up in a lot of ways. But I think you'll find this Jesus character, there's something to him. And if you want to learn more, then I don't know, man. Tune into Tyler Burns, <laughs> All Nations Worship. <laughs> Tune into the podcast or just grab that verse a day. You're still here. You're doing amazing. You're beautiful. Don't ever forget that. Mm. And Jesus knows it. Amen.